this is kind of geared towards like a big group. Um, some of the presentation style and whatnot. So I'm gonna try to just like make it a little bit more individualized. Um, but yeah, this is me and my family. Um, my husband Lucas, and then I have a son who's 18 months. Um, and yeah, that's our little family there. Um, and then I'm a teacher at Holland Christian, um, and I teach uh, middle school um, special ed ESS. Uh, so I kind of go by the inclusive um, education teacher title um, at school. And then I'm also the coordinator for K8 Unified Sports um, at Holland Christian. And um, I'll get obviously get into quite a bit of what that looks like for me. Um, but if you follow along um, at least to this slide, and then you can go to that click for giveaway, and then that's got the form that you can just fill out. Um, it's got like three questions on it. And then here's a video for you guys to kind of introduce what Unified Champion Schools is all about. Imagine a generation. A generation that sees us as equal. Imagine a generation of respect. Of acceptance. Of diversity. Of pride. Of inclusion. Of courage. Of strength on the field and off the field. Of friendship. Of unity. A generation that leads. Together. A generation that learns. Together. A generation that plays. Together. A generation of. Game changers. This is our generation. So um, that was an introduction to the Unified Sports Program. Um, Unified Champion Schools is a broader name of um, a program that schools can offer, and it's sponsored or uh, um, for, but it's provided by Special Olympics Michigan. So it's a nationwide uh, movement program um, that focuses on obviously inclusion in sports, but also inclusion in school. So um, we, at Holland Christian, became interested in unified sports. Um, to make a long story a little shorter, uh, I grew up again, like I said, with a younger brother with Down syndrome, and growing up in Chicago, there wasn't anything like unified sports. It was traditional Special Olympics, um, and that was pretty much all that was offered. And so uh, he did that growing up, and it was 
myself. Um, I helped kind of coach and volunteer at different events and things. But I wanted something as a teacher. I was like, well, an extracurricular for my students um, and just for all students at the school to be able to participate in something where they can all be in sport and athletics together. And so I reached out to Special Olympics and they said, we have this program called Unified and I mean, by the name of it, I kind of assumed what it was. And so they gave me more details and I was like, yep, this is awesome. Um, because students with and without disabilities are playing together on the field, on the court. Um, and that's just kind of what it's all about, um, what life's all about too, just being inclusive of the other and loving with one another. And so we kind of decided that we wanted to pursue the Unified uh, route rather than the traditional Special Olympics route. Um, so we can involve all students, especially because at most Christian schools, at least at one Christian and Zealand Christian, um, we follow the inclusion model as is, so it just kind of fit naturally into the Alright, so just some fun little statistics for you, um, just to see kind of the breadth of um, the program. So this is the number of students that are involved in unified sports across the United States, um, which is a pretty good number, but obviously the hope is that that just continues to grow. And I think the best way to do that is um, through just spreading the word that this even exists. Um, because honestly, if I hadn't reached out, I probably wouldn't have known about it. Um, and so by kind of initiating some questions, I learned that this is really something that um, the school should have. So um, to continue that, there's um, not many schools, 6,193 schools that are participating in Unified Champion Schools in the U.S. And again, that's the number of students. Um, a little less than half of those students are students with intellectual disabilities. Um, so there's a decent population of students that are being served and reached through this opportunity that may not otherwise really goes beyond even the students with intellectual disabilities and um, truly the truly partners who are students without are experiencing just as many amazing kind of benefits um, and results from being a part of this and uh, yeah and I have some, some fun quotes from them and just it's really amazing to watch them um, take leadership in the um, so again uh, becoming a unified champion school these are some of the things that will result from that, so creating more social climate, increasing opportunities for students with and without intellectual disabilities to work together, um, reducing bullying and teasing, or aware of students who have different needs, and uh, are able to support students in many ways, getting better grades, which is an interesting result. <laughs> um, and then obviously, right, the patience and empathy and compassion that comes alongside of allowing for social interactions um, to happen between students with and without disabilities, especially beneficial for students with disabilities, and that they're given an opportunity at friendship, um, and they can form relationships with their peers that um, go beyond the field. So there's three parts to becoming a unified champion school. So the, the UCS, Unified Champion School, is kind of the umbrella, um, umbrella term for these three. So I talk mostly about unified sports because that's kind of the biggest part of it, I'd say, and the part that everybody sees. But there are two other parts that kind of go alongside of that, and that's the youth activation piece and the whole school engagement. Um, and so I will go into details of what each of like. Um, so I kind of mentioned that this impact is 
beyond athletics, which is why it's not just unified sports, right? We're reaching the athletic piece and inclusion there, and we also want the students to experience that safe inclusion at home, at school, and in the community. All right, so the first piece of that is youth activation. Um, this is just the name that Special Olympics gave it. It's uh, essentially a kind of a group of students, a club of students, um, whose goal is to ensure friendship and inclusion within the school and within the school day, um, and the hope being that those friendships um, and relationships would extend further than the school day. But that's kind of where it starts. And so last year, um, when we started Unified Champion Schools, we started at just the high school level. Um, so you can imagine the high school level, it's a little bit easier to, to form something like this because high school students are mostly mature, motivated, they're able to, to lead things on their own. And so the idea of youth activation is that the students are the leaders, not the teachers. At a K-8 level, this is maybe a little bit less realistic. Um, middle school maybe, um, that's the group that I work with and I think they can help lead some things, but I can't necessarily say, okay, like, this is what you wanna do, go do it. Like they need some more steps in there and more pieces and resources. And, elementary level, maybe they're just dreamers at that point. You know, it's hard, <laughs> hard to say what they could really do, but I don't want to say that we can limit our kids to. I think um, kids are capable of really amazing things, and they have just beautiful, you know, innocent hearts that I think are, are ready and willing to serve. So, not to say that they can't be the leaders in this way, but um, for this specific age group, it may be a little bit more realistic that the teachers are the ones um, kind of spearheading a youth activation committee. So this group is made up of students with and without disabilities so that your students um, with disabilities are included in, in this as well. Decisions and planning and events aren't taking place um, without their input. Um, that's an important part. Um, and then this group would meet regularly, whether that's weekly or monthly or quarterly or however you determine it, um, just that there's some group in place that is actively thinking about these things. Um, and so our youth activation committee for the high school level last year um, we weren't formed until about February, and so maybe end of January or so. Um, but we work together primarily to focus on planning the whole school engagement piece, which is um, next. Um, and so our meetings revolved around what would that what would that look like, and that was the spread the word to end the word or spread the word for Inclusion Day. Um, do we want to sell shirts? Do we want to have a banner that people can sign? How do we want to promote this? Do we want to make a video? All those kinds of questions were thought about and talked about. Um, and so, again, at the, at the lower levels, that can look similarly. It could be meeting just to plan an event, um, or it could be just meeting to have conversations, kind of like a, a circle of friends group, where your um, students or student with a disability is involved and you can talk about ways that they make the school better and ways that you guys can build relationships together and kind of more of that um, buddy and circle of friends type of feel. Um, so it just kind of depends on the school and the student body that you have um, and the age group. Um, and then, obviously, the biggest piece of that is encouraging those friendships to happen in school and, and then outside of school as well. Um, yeah, really, really emphasizing that that's kind of the point of everything, uh, Unified Champion Schools as well. So. Um, so then to form your Youth Activation Committee, um, so okay, you know what it is, then how do you actually get, um, get to that point? So for middle school, I would say step one would be identify your student leaders are students that teachers rave about, that you know of, that are strong leaders, that have kind hearts, that may already have an interest in something like this, who want to lead, 
too, um, I think that's definitely possible um, to find those leaders as well. And then the second piece would be to invite students. So what I've done at middle school, and what we did at high school as well, um, was we asked teachers first <laughs> for recommendations. Um, we didn't quite know what to expect as far as would students all want to do this, or would nobody want to do this. So we asked for recommendations first from teachers, got some names and reached out to them and reached out to their parents. And the majority of students are like, yeah, I want to do this, I want to be a part of this. Um, which is just really encouraging and affirming, I think. I don't know, sometimes I don't give enough credit to students' hearts, right? I'm like, oh, the kids are too sore if they want to do this. And, and they surprise me all the time, right? They all just, they all, but most, um, have a desire to really serve and want to be a part of things. Um, and so inviting students, whether that's the teacher, teacher recommendations or just kind of leaving it open, saying this is what we're doing, do you want to, do you want to join us, um, and seeing what kind of uh, response you have. And then would be to plan a location to meet, a time to meet, days to meet, um, and that being probably something that you or whoever is leading, um, leading this at your school um, would, would plan um, and send out to students. So those are just some kind of first initial steps, and then what you do at those meetings is kind of up to you. Um, or whoever decides to. So then the next piece, um, oh, and I have a little note on here. Um, yeah, so the, the word inclusion, it gets thrown around a lot. Um, and I think the broader goal of this whole movement and the whole movement of inclusion is for it to no longer exist. That we won't, we won't need inclusion anymore because it'll just happen. We don't need to say inclusion or please include this person because Um, 
heard it a lot when I was growing up in school um, and thought, oh, maybe, you know, things have changed. I think things have improved, but it's not gone yet. Um, the word is, is still used, unfortunately. And so, um, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's improving. And I think the focus, I don't know entirely why they changed the name of it, but um, that, be, that still being a part of it is to incorporate it also to just uh, make that a little broader. And, um, but that's always the first Wednesday of March which gives you quite a bit of time to plan, which is nice. <laughs> um, it's not like, oh, surprise, it's in October. Um, so World Down Syndrome Day, March 21st, October Awareness Month is in April, it's in, yeah, and, or a rally for unified basketball or unified soccer. Um, these are just some ideas. Obviously, there are so many more that you could do at your schools, and looking at your student body and, um, and just seeing what would even be feasible for your schools, whether it's a chapel or an assembly or just a rally or something. All wear blue one day to support um, autism. Uh, yeah, any of those things are great. Um, we had at the high school again student-led, so they planned up an entire chapel um, for spread the word for inclusion, which was just really beautiful. <laughs> um, and so uh, they all had a, a panel, and they all spoke on this topic and why it meant something to them. Um, it was started by a student with a disability who was giving an interpretive dance, but like a dance. Surgical dance, there it is, um, before they started. And so it was, it was just a really powerful time. Um, but you can have a guest speaker come in. Um, you can, you're wearing the same shirt, do the same activity during lunch or recess. I know some elementary schools I've heard um, have done, like, I think our elementary school last year, one of them did a World Down Syndrome Day where they all, like, trace their hand and they put their handprints up on, like, the, and then they all, the teachers, take them up to the walls. And so that would probably be a little bit more applicable for a younger age group or an elementary school group. Um, but even something like that, being engaging the whole student body for the same purpose, raising awareness, celebration. So that's kind of just the school engagement part. And so to plan that, um, again, some practical steps for you would be to use your youth activation committee meetings to, to plan um, and encourage those students, uh, no matter how old they are, to plan and participate. Um, consider your Resources. Um, Special Olympics is a huge resource. They will give you what you need, <laughs> um, which is something that I didn't know at first. And then I just kind of asked and said, uh, we need uniforms. And they said, okay, what do you like? We'll make it happen. Um, and, and they really do like this stuff. They donated to me to give to you. Um, so they will come through for you in big ways. Um, so just don't forget them as a resource, um, especially for things like this. I mean, that's, their, that's the whole reason they exist, is to provide um, opportunities for And then once you have kind of your idea and your day set or week set or whatever it is to promote it and publicize it and make it a big deal, um, if you're selling shirts or selling stickers or whatever, um, make sure people know about it. And then speak to the proper people or get admin approval or whatever you need to um, have permission from. And then make it happen. Um, so yeah, thinking about what, what could you sell for this day, if anything. Um, what would you do with the money that you raised? Uh, how can you advertise this and get people excited about it? Um, are you using your Special Olympics funding because you get a budget from them when you sign up as a unified champion school? Um, is this, are the students feeling included in the planning? Are the admin um, media team at your school, are they involved in, in some of that as well and aware of it so that they can either give their approval or be there to film or record or take pictures? 
just some things to again, think about um, as you proceed that. So now the biggest kind of piece, that's probably why most of you are here, is talk about the unified sports because um, this is kind of the, the pinnacle of it all. Um, so unified sports is after school athletics. That's the goal, right? Some schools do it during the day, um, right? And that's better than nothing. The, the kind of the goal of, of Special Olympics is to have this after school just like any other sports team. Um, any other opportunity for your students would be after school curricular, extracurricular. So um, where students with intellectual disabilities play on the same team, Special Olympics defines that it, it needs to be an intellectual or developmental disability. Autism does uh, count. Um, it does fit in that category according to Special Olympics. Um, and they do make some exceptions. This is more, this terminology that they use is more specific for like, if you're going to a state competition, like you need to have very specific documentation of each student's needs, and do they really truly qualify as someone with an intellectual developmental disability, or do they not? Um, they would not be allowed to compete if, they're doing, if they don't fit in that category. Um, for our school's purposes, and probably for yours, that's not something that we're considering right now. Um, so we do have students who just have a physical other schools we've played have uh, students who have visual impairments um, who wouldn't ordinarily be able to participate in sports otherwise. Um, so this is giving them that opportunity. Um, and so in most sports, right, basketball, soccer, volleyball, in those kinds of, I guess the way we think about it, team sports, you always need to have a ratio of three to two or one, one two greater athletes and partners. So an athlete is an individual with a disability and a partner is an individual without So that's kind of how the Special Olympics lingo works, um, athlete and partner. Even though the partners, and this is where I'm like, I wish they maybe were different terms, the partners are equal players on the field. Um, partner kind of maybe makes you think, oh, they're helping, they're just helping the athletes, the athletes are actually playing. No, they're all playing equal, equal parts on the team, it's just kind of um, between players on the field so that coaches or spectators know kind of kind of just get a flip of the game and say, well that partner's taking over the entire court. Like we should probably come down a little bit. Um, which you'll see some of that. Um, but maybe there's a little bit more grace if that's an athlete that's taking over the field. Um, it's just some of those 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 pieces. So it makes it a little bit easier to differentiate. Alright. So um, this is a video that I put together of our teams, uh, both elementary, K-5, and 6-8 middle school teams, um, to kind of give you a glimpse of our soccer season that's happening and just some highlight moments that we've had so far.
um, but he had started to kind of withdraw from his peers at school um, because he felt like he couldn't keep it together. And he would have some behavioral outbursts. Um, you know, he'd throw a hit at a kid or throw things, and he just felt like that was interfering with his friendships. Like, he wanted to just keep for himself because he didn't want to accidentally blow up and then he would be hurting his relationships with his classmates. Um, and so Unified, his mom said, gave him, really gave him the confidence that he could be with his peers again, like in this way, um, that he could run and play and, and be alongside of them and not fearing that he was going to hurt somebody or blow up and make them afraid of him or something like that. Like this was a really positive outlet for him. And his peers were able to see him in a new way too. They, and he's, I mean, if he scores the goal in the right goal, <laughs> he's really good at soccer. Um, and so his teammates are, his classmates are able to see, wow, like, look at, he can actually, he can do something and he can do it well. And, and he's, he's not having any trouble out here, what's going on? So I think it just gives some perspective even to the partners and the peers to see, like, these students are capable and school is hard. Like, it's hard to keep it together. Um, and so in both ends, it's really, really positive. Um, yeah. And then K-8 level, why, why are we starting it so young? I think just the obvious reason. The younger it starts, the longer it lasts, and, and why not? Why would we not start it at that level? A lot of schools will start at the high school level. That's what we did. We started high school because high school maybe feels easier. Maybe there's a larger pool of students. I'm not quite sure. Um, it just feels like a natural way to start. Um, and so that is what we did. But now I'm realizing, like, it almost makes sense to do the opposite. We can have them grow up with the program. These kids, that's that's what they're going to know as they as they move on from middle or elementary school. They are, they are going to know this program and this is going to be a part of their school routine. Um, yeah, so, why not? so here's another video. Um, these are parents, students, uh, athletes, and partners, and a coach um, kind of sharing about what this program has meant to them just within one sports season. It shows friendship, and they work, and they can work together and have fun with each other, and yeah, it's pretty awesome. Because it's fun. Uh, it's fun. It's a great opportunity for kids to get out and play together. It certainly um, reinforces the value of inclusion and. Um, Playing fair and playing hard, nobody getting hurt. It gives my boys a chance to be active and play on a team, and they love it. They love the uniforms, they love the friends, they're having a great time. It's just community, it's, it's fun, and I just I just love it when everyone works together as a team. Just being able to be around the kids and enjoy playing soccer with them. That's a, it's a safe place for the kids to be and to be able to be who they are. Because it's fun and it's just a fun sport and you don't turn people on and it's a fun workout. Well, I like soccer because it's fun. And um, you get to touch the ball a lot and I think. I'm not going to go! 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 I'm not
but um, yeah, have some things to say. A couple other uh, notes from, from parents. These are just things that I didn't ask them to say. They, they just said at one point or another, which is really just sweet. Um, so yeah, one uh, older, older sister's seeing her big brother play sports, very involved in sports growing up, and she never really got that. Um, so she's getting a chance to participate. Um, this is fun. Um, so both my kids slept in their shin guards on, uh, with their shin guards on in the ball beside their bed the night before the first practice. Um, the same mom, um, she has two boys with disabilities, and um, the same mom said that after they scored their first goal, that's all that they talked about that whole entire night and into the next day of school, like that's just a conversation. Did you know I scored a goal? Oh, there's one. <laughs> that was when he scored his goal. Um, he's done unstructured sports like things before, but this is his first real team experience, and he has been ready for it, which I think is really fun, especially those with older siblings, or siblings, or friends, anyone, right? They, they see this happening for everyone else, why not?
that uh, all the paperwork and the nitty gritty stuff, only if you're going to state competitions are really high up in that will you need. So it's really not a lot to get started. Just get started. That's the best advice I can give you. Um, that's kind of, we just had to dive right in and just kind of figure it out as we went. Um, and the pieces just kind of fall into place. And Special Olympics and other schools that have been doing it um, are also a valuable resource in kind of helping you take steps as you're like, oh shoot, I forgot about this, what do I need to do? And they'll help you anyway. All right. Um, so some practical first steps um, would be uh, first to locate a point person, whether that's you or somebody else at your school, um, a parent, if you're thinking in your head right now, oh, I have a staff member, they don't do anything extra after school, but they'd be a really good person, or maybe they do, I don't know, um, you can always add more to the plate, right? Um, <laughs> or a parent of a student that you have who's, who's like, oh, okay, I just really want to involve my student in something and they don't have any opportunities, well, then maybe they can start something. Um, or maybe it's you, maybe you're here because you've heard about this before and you thought this would be something you'd like to bring to your school and you have athletic knowledge and um, you have the resources that you might need to get something started. I'm not sure, but locating that person is key and then registering with Special Olympics Michigan. Um, it's really simple. They just fill some basic information and then there's somebody who gets in touch with you. Um, and then another big piece is contacting either your principal or athletic director, maybe at the middle school, I don't know, elementary school, I don't know, 80s. Um, maybe middle schools don't too, but contacting that person, they're going to be huge in that um, you will need like principal approval. So just making that conversation open with them and knowing that it's a possibility, something that they are probably open to. I don't think I've ever met a principal who's like, no, that's a terrible idea. I don't want to bring that to our school. I'll do nothing for us. Um, so I don't think you'll face too much resistance, but it's just a good thing to make sure that they're in the loop on. And then choose a sport or sports to start. Basketball is a really easy one to start with. Um, everybody, I think for the most part, knows the general rules of basketball. It's a fun sport. It's indoors. It's in a kind of confined space. All of those things are great and very beneficial. You only need basketballs and hoops, right? So there's a number of things that just make that a very simple sport to start with, um, but not a boring sport to watch or play. So that's good. Um, and then the second set of steps would be to fill out the budget form which Special Olympics Michigan will, will send you as you register and are in contact with um, their people. Um, they have uh, a budget form that you'll fill out and then you just tell them, here's what we're thinking we'll do. And last year, I had no idea. I filled it out, they're like, what do you want to do this year? And I said, uh, play basketball. And they said, you have to do an event and you have to have your group. So I just said like, mm, okay, I'll take $100 for this. And I don't know if I use it or not. And I don't think they're necessarily paying so much attention to that. They just want to make sure you have the funds that you might need. Um, ordering equipment and uniforms, again, not priority, especially as a first-year school, um, but something to keep in mind, because uh, again, you have the funding available to you, so why not? Um, and then just kind of gauge interest from parents, from teachers, from students, seeing what, what they might want to do and if they'd want to be a part of things. And then forming your team, forming your uh, yeah, youth activation committee, finding your coaches, setting a schedule, and getting the word out. Biggest things. Um, yeah, but I guess even before all of that, even just you deciding kind of, is this feasible for our student body? Do we have enough players to field the team? Can we combine with another local elementary school to field the team? Um, we are combined with Zealand Christian for this year at least, um, because one, we needed numbers, and two, they weren't doing this program. But their student, they have a large student body with, um, with disabilities, and so combining 
helped us be able to peel the team and helped them begin not have to do any work. <laughs> so it, it's a good partnership, at least for this year. Um, and so, it, yeah, so it's been great. And so some schools, um, one elementary school that we play, they're like, oh, well, we can peel the team this year, but next year, I don't know, where all our students are moving up. Or, and it could probably be that way for you guys too. And so thinking about maybe a partnering school, especially at the high school level, you have maybe a bigger pool of students. But these younger levels, you may not. And so um, some of those things are, are definitely doable. Um, so just because you don't have, oh, I don't have five students with disabilities at my school, I don't think I can do this. You you still can. It just may look different. Yeah? Is that budget based on numbers? Um, nope. They give, well, I guess I just, they give you 1500 per school. Um, which is a good amount. Like that'll definitely get you uniforms and balls, which is funny here. So, um, yeah. So each school. So like if you're, uh, yeah, if you're one. So like Con Christian, we have three different elementary buildings within. So technically, I could have a budget for each one. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need that. Like we'll be fine because it's just one team. But um, but they what you put if that's if that's your case. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, actually this is. The last slides is about funding. Um, so again, you get a budget from Special Olympics Michigan. You can also require a small fee from your families, like a pay to play type of thing. If you think, okay, well, I, I need more money because I wanna, I wanna also give shirts, like to students to support, to come to games and wear their unified shirt. Or um, I wanna throw a pizza party at the end of the season. Just a small fee that you collect for some of those extra things. Um, or you can do a fundraiser and get donations big and do three sports your first year, you're going to probably need a lot of money. Um, and so those are some ways to do that. Um, but yeah, the first year that you start, your cost will be higher because you need uniforms your first year, but you, you're going to use the same ones the next year. So you won't need that same um, uh, amount of money the next year probably. Um, yeah, and then these are some important names to have in mind. Um, Dan and Jamie are the unified contacts for great girl from West Michigan <laughs> because these are the people that we work with um, there. So um, you can register and I'll give you the link to register your school, your schools, um, but these are the people that will probably get in contact with you if you'd rather just go directly to them and say, hey, I think I want to register but I have some questions first, then these would be the emails you want. So <laughs> I have this on here. So if you have, if you want to get signed up now, there's a link on the site that you can register your school now. Um, otherwise, do you guys have any questions for me? That's kind of a lot, but <laughs> yeah. This one comment, I'm really excited to see Christian schools being involved. Um, I had a niece probably 20 years ago that played on the sled wings. She was um, born with a spina bifida in a wheelchair, and teams like the Griffins take on a lot of this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and I think those are secular organizations that are meeting a need that I think is huge in our communities. Um, we have one boy um, that plays on a hockey team for the Griffs, he's blind. Mm -hmm. And you see these accommodations being met. If we could take a piece of that for our own covenant kids, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I think a lot of places want to celebrate this type of thing. Um, yeah, so you never know what kind of connections you'll, you'll get at Wakens or Wakens or whatever calling you out on the ice or, yeah. We had the, the Holland Sentinel come and interview our, our team and 
I just thought it was going to be like a little blurb in there. They did the page, this big picture of a middle school athlete just chasing after the ball. And I was like, whoa. And people were like, you guys are on the front page. And of course, the students are like, what? Amazing. But people love this kind of thing. Like, this is what it's all about because it hits something deep within us that we're like, this is right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's encouraging and people will totally be on board. That was one of my fears. Like, people are really going to love this. Like, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> Everybody wants it. Did you say for your elementary team, it's K to 5? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, is it, it works out okay, like a fifth grader playing with a kindergartner? Yeah, good. yeah. Um, we only have two kindergartners on the team. Um, and they're little, I mean, you can tell they're the smallest ones out there. Right. But the fifth graders, we don't have any massive student. Like, they're all, you know, basically the same height. And the fifth graders, um, at least the partners, having that conversation with them, like, we got some older guys on the team, or this student can't move around as easily, which they can see that. Um, and they understand that part of their role as being a partner is understanding, like, this is not your time to shine and score all the goals. Like, and, and parents will do a big part of that, explaining to their students, this is the team that you're on, this is an amazing opportunity for you to get moments to shine, but also to help other students shine, too. So am I the basketball student, let's say, in seventh grade? Um, like a partner? Right. Be yeah. in this with a partner, but then also, you know, they have their week too. Right. Mm-hmm. Can they, do they go well together? Does that work well that you're... Yeah, I, I have, no, I have, I have uh, two, two or three students that are partners on the middle school team and they play another sport outside of it. Mm-hmm. So one student plays soccer, just on their typical soccer team, and they play unified. So we have practice one day a week after school. Um, so in the case that they can't make, they kind of have to choose some of the time. But four days out of the week, they're at their typical practice, and then one day they're at Unified. Um, another student was a football player, and he made it work. I don't know how, I don't know if practices didn't interfere with each other, but he was always at practice, um, but he also was always at his football practice, so they made it made it work. Um, at the high school level, we noticed last year, there were, when we were forming our youth activation committee, there was a team, uh, like the whole varsity basketball team showed up, and they wanted to participate. And they were like, oh, wait, can we do this? And it, what, it didn't work for them. Um, which, in some ways, was a bummer, but in some ways it was really good because those students who aren't that varsity athletes, they get to play. Um, they get to participate. They got cut from the team. Um, or we had a student who no intellectual disability at all, but he had braces on his legs because he couldn't jump. And so he, he knows he knows basketball, game basketball inside and out. He always wanted to play, but he couldn't. He'd get pushed over on the field or court, on the court, and he wouldn't. He couldn't sh- shoot, like jump and shoot the ball. So he never made a varsity or JV basketball team. So this was a way for him to play basketball in a real way. Um, yeah, and he could. And so, in some ways, the fact that the typical a- athletic participants are not able to participate in unified, some ways, is good because it opens doors for students. But at the elementary and middle school level, there's uh, the high school, high school coaches are a little more like, we need to practice. Middle school and elementary, maybe not so much the case. So I think coaches are a little more willing to play and go to unified practice and just be at our practice for us. I haven't have any issues with that support. Anything else? Yeah. 
Yeah. So we had two games after school and then two tournaments during the school day. Um, so not huge. Uh, again, the students are just excited to play and practice. A lot of the time we, we practice for 30 minutes and scrimmage for the last 30, so they are getting games in. Um, for a basketball season at the high school level, we had five games, four or five games. So that's, I think, pretty typical. It's about five games a season or so. Um, I'm always like, let's do one every week, which is a little ambitious. But I think eventually, right, if you have like a league of teams, like your conference for a high school um, or for a middle school that you're playing all these area teams, like you can definitely make that happen. It's just 